What's up, y'all? It's Jeff Cobb, and you're listening to Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show on Social Suplex Podcast Network. You're listening to the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show. Listener discretion is advised at all times. Thank you once again for downloading and listening to another episode of the Ricket and Clive Wrestling Show, part of the Social Suplex Podcast Network, support for which is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offer precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. My name is Clive, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ricky. A very good evening to you, sir. Good evening. How are you? I'm fine. I'm enjoying you twiddling your moustache at the moment. I know. I kind of want to grow it like really out and long, but at the same time, I don't want to look like a pedo. So I'm like, nah. <laughs> Would you call that the Velveteen Dream look? <laughs> right. Oh, we could do. Moving swiftly on with that one. Uh, this week's guest. Ricky, do you want to take over, in fact, since you're going to be the mediator for tonight? Yep. Go for um, it. There's this, this week's guest, he's not been on in a while, a good seven or eight months, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, we present to you... I was waiting for a drum roll, but okay. I should have told you that. We um, Good friend of the show, uh, dear Mags, um, at DJ Kirkby. How are you today, Dan? Yeah, I'm really good. Uh, excited to be back on the Richard and Clavert show. Uh, <laughs> I've not been on this show for a while. Uh, just a pity we got this absolutely dog shit topic. Yeah, you're welcome. You're very welcome. <laughs> I just want to say, I know you're, I know you're in charge tonight, Ricky. But this, these things that we've been doing recently, the fantasy pay per views and stuff, it's kind of half, half of inspired by Darren himself with the Badlands pods, where. The the idea was to stay away from the current product because it's just even if you like it, I can't be asked defending it and all that stuff. It's just an excuse to sit down and have a laugh with some friends and talk about the good old days of wrestling back in the day. This might not be talking about the good old days tonight, but I'm glad that we've got uh, some of the inspiration for what we've been doing recently on the show. So thank you for coming on. You're more than welcome. I'm just, I'm sure a letter will be uh, in the post from my solicitors very shortly with that cease and desist. Oh, God. <laughs> I think the good thing about tonight's show is, is that it is, like, and we'll get into it in a second, but it's going to still be funny. Like, mm-hmm. we, we could be, like, burying the product or some of these matches, but we're doing it with a bit of comedy and just, like, you know, so it's not, it's just playful. There's no real harm behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, but <clears throat> before we get into tonight's episode, uh, obviously the last few weeks we've run uh, an NXT pay-per-view competition. Obviously we had we've had we've run over three weeks where we had several guests on. We had um, Caleb, Branch, Jeremy, and James, as well as myself and Clive. 
and we put out the competition to see who can produce the best pay-per-view, NXT pay-per-view. And unlike last time, where it was just me and Clive that came to the decision and who the winner was, we we took we done it slightly different because we we felt that it was going to be slightly it was going to be too difficult I think to pick between the two of us so we put it out to several other people so what we done was myself and Clive included as well as the four guests that I named we all picked our top three from all the cards produced and we do have a winner so it was a collaborative thing and this is where someone would insert a drum roll but I'll just get straight to it. <laughs> Um, the winner of the NXT competition and we'll reach out to them privately to kind of get a t-shirt out to them uh, is our very own oh, on, the, on the Social Suplex podcast network the other half of Keeping It Strong Style is Mr. Joshua Smith of course um, it is Josh come in first and Josh I feel like like you and me should share this award because as we explained last week Josh submitted the exact same card as mine but obviously didn't know and obviously the, the layout of the card is slightly different but it obviously got my vote because it was, that was, those are my picks um, but overall like you say um, the six of us um, I don't want to say unanimously um, went with Josh but it was it was close a little bit but then ultimately I think Josh kind of ran away with it in the end um, but Darren, I would say that you did make top three. I think you might have came second, maybe because of second or third, Clive. I can't remember. Oh, now if if Badlands were on social suplex, I'd have won this T-shirt. See, conspiracy goes on. If we do, and I don't know if we are, if we do do this competition, we we ask people to produce the worst pay-per-view card. I think Rich may have that. Like as James said, he's got that ready to go at any moment. Um, he can tell you that off the top of his head. So there's going to be more conspiracy theories flying about if another member of the, the team win the next competition. Yeah. So we may have to make it that no one on the network can, can, can enter. <laughs> I just want to say, and I'm not saying this because he's on the show, Darren, I had you in my top three. I thought your card was absolutely splendid. So. Yeah, I think I, I, think I went second. I think I put down second, if I'm honest. There was a, Don't think, try and butter me up now. Listen, you you've were, screwed you were me out of a T-shirt. You you, were, you, you've done what the five nerds do. Every time I think I'm going to win, you screw me over. Now, the, I went, you were second or third on mine. <laughs> the, the five nerds guys just do Vince Russo style swerves and just make up the rules at the very end. This, oh, they're brutal. This was uh, a committee of upstanding citizens of the wrestling Twitter. <laughs> Some of them upstanding. Yep. So, congratulations, yeah, well, Josh. And send in the tinfoil hat theories to uh, at Ricky at gmail.com <laughs> To be fair, uh, Josh's card was outstanding, so congratulations, Josh. Oh, it <laughs> sounded so... Uh, gritted teeth there. So, we're going to move on. Ricky's currently indisposed, but we're going to move on. We're doing the worst ever pay-per-views, and we thought since that it was a case of... We've had quite strict rules recently, but we're going to relax the rules a wee bit. Well, this time we will have one match, which is a world title or WWE title, one match which is a women's, and then it's a free-for-all, and we're going to go for seven cards, so it can be IC, US, tag, special attraction, whatever you want. 
just the same thing that you can't use the same wrestler more than once. Um, try to think if there are any other rules. I think it's just a case of you can't use the same wrestler more than once. You've got to go through WWE history and find the worst ever pay-per-view matches that you can possibly ever imagine, whether they're shite, enjoyable car crash, must-see, or just downright dreadful. Um, as a, I don't think it is a consolation, but Darren, I'd, I'd like you to go first. The floor is yours to give us your terrible pay-per-view. Well, before I even start on my pay-per-view, I've got actually, I've got some bones to pick with uh, Richard and Claver here. Oh, Christ. Firstly, firstly, thank you for making me sit through some terrible, terrible um, wrestling. As you know, I have the worst wrestling Alzheimer's in the world, and I don't like remembering shit matches, and I've had to watch too many over this last few days uh, so thanks for that uh, second <laughs> of all the, uh, the the rule that you just said that you relaxed the rule um, just for context listeners Clive told me this after I'd already watched like three quarters oh, of the matches shit. and already done my picks so it, I've actually stuck to the original rules uh, or I've tried to stick to the original rules so with that in mind I'm going to go with my opening match. Oh, in fact, actually, first, I've got a pay-per-view name. Excellent. Uh, as I like to do. Um, it's Obviously, with it being a, the worst pay-per-view ever, it's not going to be a big fall at SummerSlam, uh, Royal Rumble, stuff like that. It's, a, it's an in-your-house, and I've named it Smash Your Back Door In. So, let's, let's start hot. Uh, I'm going to start with a, uh, an intercontinental title match uh, that took place at In Your House, Good Friends, Better Enemies in 1996. Uh, I'm going with Goldust versus The Ultimate Warrior. Oh. Now, I don't know if this can actually count as a wrestling match because there was very, very little wrestling in it. Um, so what happened is uh, Goldust comes to the ring with uh, Terry and uh, this dude in an Al Capone-style suit who uh, on the actual WWE website is, is just called Bodyguard, but it's a wrestler called Mark Halleck who, who actually was Mantar, if you remember that, that amazing character. <laughs> So it takes about 10 minutes for the actual wrestling to start. We get a bit where uh, Warrior takes Goldust's uh, director's chair, has a bit of a sit-down. Uh, Goldust gets on the mic and threatens to uh, kiss everybody in the crowd, you know, because like, homophobia was something you should have been scared of in, in the in the 90s. Uh, then when Goldust gets in the ring, we get a little bit of a dress-up, a bit of a... Um, a yeah, a bit of cross-dressing where uh, Warrior helps Goldust into his rope. Uh, he has a little uh, a little do uh, on uh, Marlena's cigar. Smokes like three quarters of it in one. That's a bit cheeky, to be fair. Didn't even ask for twos. <laughs> um, he actually then burns Goldust with the cigar, hits a clothesline, which is the only wrestling move that actually happens in the match. Uh, Goldust rolls out the ring, gets counted out, and Mantar brawls with Warrior. Uh, Warrior does his steroid hulking up, uh, usual like bullshit of clotheslines and uh, shoulder tackle. He does something which was actually quite cool. He ended up ripping off the jacket, shirt, and tie of Mantar in one go, <laughs> uh, 
which I was absolutely amazing. And it's not even like a stunt one. You can literally see where it's like a proper shirt and jacket. Uh, Mantar goes out the ring and then uh, the crowd cheers because uh, we were morons in the 90s and that kind of stuff were exciting. So, yeah, I'll open the card with a, a close line of a match. I don't know if I'm already beginning to regret this theme. <laughs> See, the I'd actually watched now a few one a couple of months ago. I'd started watching some of the old in your houses, and it might have been the third or fourth one where Goldust fought Bam Bam Bigelow, and it was yeah. really shite. It was really boring, and Goldust took forever to. I know he had that gimmick, um, where it was all eyes on him, and they were taking their sweet time and stuff like that, but it was just turgid and not fun to watch at all so I can imagine if if it's the same era of wrestling it's the same turgidity and you've got Ultimate Warrior in there that sounds dreadful so I'm sorry yeah. I really am sorry you had to watch that I think the next the actual next uh, in your house it was Goldust taking on The Undertaker when Undertaker was challenging for the for the IC title and that was just as bad really a lot more, a bit more wrestling in it though mm. Okay. Didn't didn't Warrior put on his wig or something at some point in this match as well? I don't know if it was after the match or yeah, I think it was afterwards. Yeah, uh, I, I vividly I vividly remember him smoking a cigar. You he just text it and you think, oh, he's just gonna have a little do on it, and he yep. literally smokes it right down to the yep. end. You think in one go that guy has got some lungs on him. No, he must do if he if he just sprints to the ring. He, he must be gassed after like five <laughs> yards. That's horrendous. No, an absolute shit match. <laughs> I mean, I, like, like it's not like the Warrior was a great wrestler. He was what he was. Um, and didn't Goldberg, Goldberg, Goldust either get on the mic and start threatening to, like, kiss people? Or did he just yeah. randomly start kissing people? No, he got on the back and, like, near the, near the, um, the, the ring entries and said, if you don't shut up, I'll kiss every one of you. Every single one of you, yeah. <laughs> this 90s wrestling was horrific. I wonder if Jake Hager's wife was in the crowd that night. <laughs> <laughs> and, she, and he got her own, his own back later on. Right, I've got a note of that one. You want to move on to your next her- horrendous match? <laughs> now, I'm going to go with my women's title match next, I think. And I've got two picks, and one person is in both matches because she's pretty much one of the worst wrestlers that that has ever graced the ring. Um, but I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Avery versus Tory from SummerSlam 1999. Oh, now, do you remember this match? I hope you don't, because no. it was horrific. Luckily, it's a a women's match, so it's not very long. Um, but I suppose oh, it was a Divas, Divas match back then. Yeah, uh, but if you're an AEW fan, I suppose you're used to having really short women's matches. Ooh. Oh, none. Oh, none. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, now, to be fair to Ivory, she actually did try her best to carry Tori to a, a decent match, but there's no polish in this turn. It was horrific. <laughs> you had the most basic wrestling moves that you learn on your first day of wrestling school. Uh, spears, like swings, chokes. Uh, the end actually came about three minutes in when Tori attempted a sunset flip. 
uh, which Ari was meant to like counter by sitting on the shoulders and getting the pin, uh, but they botched it. So they went for it a second time and they botched it again. Uh, so then Ivory just laid down on Toria. Uh, you could see her shouting in, in Tori's ear and Tim White just counted the three, even though Tori tried to kick out. So uh, for all saving graces, thank the Lord for, for Tim White, to be fair. But yeah, I'm going to go with Ivory versus Tori from SummerSlam 1999. Wasn't... <coughs> Sorry. Wasn't like... I'm almost certain as well that both shoulders weren't down? No, they weren't. None at all. Um, <laughs> and then didn't they have like a brand panties match or something, or a pillow fight or something like a week or two later? I think so, yeah. Well, I mean, it was the 90s, so yeah, that was always happening right enough. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Not, 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 a, not, a, not a stellar match. I thought you my, other, said... my other one what I was going to put in there in place was actually Tory's debut, the one against uh, Sable at WrestleMania 15, uh, where she wore that. I think it, I think it was meant to be a cat suit, but it was mm-hmm. very revealing. She it was nippy in that uh, in that stadium. Let's just say that. Uh, <laughs> but again, she botched every move she attempted, and luckily got beat up by Nicole Bass. When you said Ivory, I thought you were going to say. Muller, because I'm sure they had a couple of matches in 99 time, but were those maybe on TV or something like that? I think they were they were on Raw. Right. That's it's dreadful, because I don't really actually have much memory of Tory wrestling. I always remember her as a valet for either X-Pac or Kane, mm-hmm. and then she kind of just disappeared after that. But if they're going to have her as a valet early doors... Maybe that's because she was horrendous at wrestling. And I remember, I do remember SummerSlam 99 very well because that was, I think that might have been the first time I'd getting into wrestling, getting a VHS off of my friend, uh, Barry, oh, actually, VHS. who's been on recently. The old VHS days. Yeah, and, and, and will be back on next week. It will be. And, um, didn't they also, sorry, um, didn't they also have like a, a no DQ, no holes barred, or false count anywhere match, just something like on a Raw. I don't know if it was before or after it. I don't remember, thank God. He doesn't want to but remember. I feel yeah, like I don't did. want I to feel, remember. I, I feel like they did, and, and like it wasn't that putrid. <laughs> like, it was, just, you know, like in comparison to what you saw at SummerSlam, and obviously, like, brand panties match are just pathetic anyway. But I don't know if it was before or after a SummerSlam match. Yeah, they had a hardcore match. Uh, that was four minutes twenty-two long. <laughs> if you want to go and check that out, thank you. A five-minute hardcore match. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, that was on the the ninth of June uh, edition of Raw. So that was even before. And it was the first the first ever women's hardcore match as well. Apparently, mm-hmm. was it? I wonder when the next one was because if that was bad then it probably took them 2019 probably just give up after that probably Trish and Lita a few years later this is getting off to a dreadful start isn't it right you want to go into your, your third choice for the night yeah let's let's mix it up now let's have a, a refresher we'll have a tag match I think uh it would have been a tag team title match, but this was the match where 
Clive changed the rules, so I had more to work with. I bet it was Ricky that changed them, though. <laughs> remember that? Must remember that? When it comes to Christmas card so writing So, I've gone for a match from WrestleMania 5, and really, I could have gone for a match from WrestleMania 4 or WrestleMania 6 because this same tag team was on all shows. I'm going with the Bushwhackers oh. versus the fabulous Rouge Your Brothers. <laughs> So, yeah, sorry about this, kids. Um, so this is another match with very, very little wrestling. Um, on the way to the ring, Jesse Ventura, who is absolutely a comedy genius, uh, he accuses the Bushwhackers of being on, on the juice, which is uh, which <laughs> probably was true, to be fair. They're on something, um, anyway. So uh, Luke and Butch storm the ring doing their arm-waving uh, bullshit. Um the Rougeaus enter and get uh, thrown into Jimmy Hart almost straight away. When the match actually starts, it, it's typical that heels hitting each other accidentally, ref distractions, stuff like that. Um, and then Jesse again with another quip, saying that uh, he still hasn't seen a wrestling uh, move yet. And to be fair, I was watching it and I'd never seen a wrestling move neither. And now... I want you to actually go back and watch this match and and I'm being genuinely serious <laughs> because there's a part in it where Ray Rougeau picks up Luke for a scoop slam and <laughs> honest to goodness, honest to goodness, Luke gives Ray a, a hand job. He yes. literally grabs his dick and balls and wobbles them about. It's really, really I've never, I didn't notice it before, and I actually had to rewind it. And the missus were watching it with me, and she's like, "Did he just grab his dick?" I'm like, "Yeah, unfortunately." Anyway, so definitely watch me back for that. It's really weird. Uh, so the end comes when they do the battering ram on Ray, a double stomach breaker. Luke gets the pin, even though Jack's come in and broke up the pin. Uh, so again, another another referee mercy decision there. And yeah, I'll uh, I'll go with the Bushwhackers versus the Rougeau brothers. The... I mean, did the Bushwhackers ever have a good match? I was going to say that. Weren't the, weren't the Rougeaus <laughs> decent though? And I get well, that um, one. yeah, one of them ended up being the Mountain. It's just I remember like their name is quite well thought of. And then Bushwhackers, literally the only wrestling I can think of them doing is the fucking arm pumping. Yeah, they did the same at WrestleMania 6 with uh, the, I'm sure it's, is it the Body Donners? I think it's the uh-huh. Body Donners they place at WrestleMania 6. And it's literally the same kind of match, apart from obviously you don't give a skip a, a jobby. They were just, it's just that the comedy type entrance, as I always remember from them. Mm-hmm. Wasn't wasn't um, Teddy Hart the the manager? For Jimmy Hart. Well, Jimmy, yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Like Teddy Hart. Teddy Hart's the kidnapper and, and wife beater. <laughs> uh, oh, so, yeah. Jimmy Hart was the the Rougeau's manager. Uh, and if you if you've actually seen any of the Bushwhackers uh, matches before they come to WF, they were brutal. They were. Absolute animals. Uh, I think they were called the sheep herders, and it's only when they came to the WWF and Vince knew he could like sell like toys and and like get kids to watch that it, they changed them up to like this kid-friendly idiots. If we think about it, the Bushwhackers sort of epitomise 
that wrestling, at least back in the day, was just for kids because if they were about just now, the IWC would rip them to absolute shreds. They, they wouldn't last at all. And the back, the de- back then, they were so over. I remember the toys very well. I remember their faces on posters and in video shops. But if they're going about and there's manhandling and stuff going on, that's that's not on in today's age. Like they're probably like, like I said, what you just remember from them is just that stupid entrance and the fact that it was just shitty comedy. Like, oh, I I admit, like I liked them, like back then. Yeah, they appealed to kids. Definitely yeah, appealed to definitely. kids. Definitely. No, but as you say, when you look at it, you say, "Fuck." You look at you look at those early early WrestleManias, and they they look like house shows. The the matches that are on, yep. apart from like the big like the title matches, they just they could be absolutely anyone in them. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the matches that's like, I don't want to say it's not an all time great, but it's like an all time kind of great WrestleMania moment, except for Hogan and uh, Andre. Shit, like just absolute shit. But we remember it because it was, it was the first time Andre's ever been slammed, which obviously is bullshit. And you know it was Hogan, etc. But the actual match quality was just appalling. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that, that was right after the Steamboat Savage match, wasn't it? On the um, cards, that not night? too many. If that was, if you're following that, you know, not too many matches are going to do too well. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's one. That uh, Meltzer gave minus a thousand stars or something like that. Probably, and rightfully so. Fuck Hogan. Oh, indeed. Right, Mister Mediator. Sorry, I took over. Ah, uh, you just continue. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mister Cockby. Time for the <sighs> the mid show. Now, at the midpoint of the card, I'm tempted to put a title match in. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to go with a WWE yes, title because, match. Because, sorry, because on these pay-per-views, match order is so important. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking of the poor fans that have to watch this bullshit. You've got to pay for it. I know. Yeah, exactly. Lock the doors. Um, so I've got two WWF title matches. Now, I could easily try and butter up uh, the electorate and include one with uh, with uh, Ricky's favourite in. Or I could go for the actual one that's probably the worst match. You do uh, whatever. You, you're allowed to. You don't need to butter us up. We should be buttering you up, so you do what you want to do. I'm, I'm going to go with the worst match then. I'm going to go with uh, SummerSlam 1995. King oh, Nabal versus Diesel. Why did... Now, well, out, out, out of curiosity, what was the other match? The other match was uh, WrestleMania 9, Hogan versus Yokozuna. That would have been a good shoot. <laughs> Coming straight off the back of Brett versus Yokozuna. Yep. So you're probably glad I didn't pick that one, to be fair. <laughs> Fucking remind, Hogan. Remind you of terrible times. Fucking piece of shit, Hogan. <laughs> Imagine doing that to the greatest wrestler ever. Well, we've not got a Bret Hart fan on with us tonight, Ricky, so you're not going to get much... Um... No, no, no. No, I, I, I like Bret Hart. I just know that, that Ricky loves Bret Hart. And you love winding him up. I mean, it's like... I know we're going off, off topic, right? But just imagine 
the caliber and type of matches Bret Hart would have in wrestlers nowadays. Yeah, I know. Like, could you honestly imagine like three Brett... star matches? <laughs> <laughs> Brett in the ring with who? Corder. Brett V. Corder. Anyone? I, and he would do I the job who? as well. Brett and Omega, Okada. Brett and Okada would be very good. Really, yeah, it would, it would be. Bro, you know what? You know, you know, you know, match I would love to see. I don't. Bret Hart versus Zack Sabre. Mm-hmm. I think that would be good. Oh, versus Baron Corbin. Oh, of course, of course. <laughs> Forty headlocks. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, sorry. On you go. So we're going with Mabel, King Mabel. Sorry, King Mabel at this time versus uh, versus Diesel. This match actually only went on nine minutes and ten seconds, but watch it, it felt like an hour. It was horrific. Uh, so on one side, you've got this big guy pushed to the moon with uh, very basic wrestling skills and a huge ego. And then on the other side, you've got a big guy pushed to the moon with very basic wrestling uh, skills and a huge belly. <laughs> nice setup there. <laughs> it's the only fun thing about this match, the fact I could make a joke about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in the build-up, obviously, Mabel had won the King of Ring uh, I don't think it's even arguable that he was the worst King of the Ring. Um, So he started to interfere in Diesel's matches. Uh, For some reason, Bulldog actually interrupted a Vince and Diesel interview in the build-up to this match uh, to side with Diesel, only to turn on him, which was weird. (laughs) Anyway, let's get on to the match. Uh, We had Diesel as the pace setter, which... If you know a Diesel match, that's that's bad straight off the bat. <laughs> um, so we get the typical kind of knock the fat guy off his feet stuff. Um, Diesel attempts a slam, no go. Um, the, the the most interesting kind of move comes when Diesel's shoulder barges uh, Mabel through the ropes and actually does a, a, a no-arm pescado over the top rope, which was actually quite good for Diesel, especially now you think of his knees. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think he'd even climb over the top rope now. So we get back in the ring, and then this is another match where you need to go and watch it because there's a part where there's a, a just a turnbuckle disappears from absolutely nowhere. Uh, I think uh, Diesel gets like, thrown into the corner, and then when the camera cuts back to the turnbuckle, there's no there's no pad there. It's really weird. Uh, Mabel hits a boss man slam, which is absolutely horrific, and then we get an infamous uh, butt drop, which actually broke uh, Diesel's back yeah. in, in real life. Um, then we get one of the most telegraphed referee bumps ever when. Uh, Earl Hebner is meant to be distracted by more, but he's clearly looking at Mabel whilst he's running him and just like gets shoulder barged out of the way. Uh, so with the ref out, we get uh, Mo and Mabel attacking Diesel. Lex Luger, for some reason, comes running down uh, to help Diesel, but before he can even help him, Diesel chins him and claws lands him out of the ring. Um, but then... Lex comes to and still helps Diesel for some reason, even though someone's just like smack you in the jaw, you still help him out. Um, he takes Mo out the out of the equation. Uh, Mabel gets a two count because uh, Earl Hebner was hamming it up uh, with the with the bump recovery, uh, which I think he was probably more worried about his uh, his snarly t-shirt sales, to be fair, rather than the pin. Um, 
the end comes when uh, Diesel hits the most deadly finisher that, that Kevin Nash has ever had. Uh, it, I'm not even talking about the jackknife because there's no way he's getting uh, Mabel for one of them. He gets on the second rope and does a shoulder block. Uh, three count and we're done. And the crowd absolutely could not give a flying toss. They were the only people what were cheering were the little kids, like the the, the preteen kids. All the adults were sat there, arms crossed, like not giving a, a, the slightest fuck. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm going with King Mabel versus Diesel from 1995 SummerSlam. I didn't know that Diesel broke his back from that. Yeah, uh, when uh, Mabel sat on him, he sat too close to uh, Diesel's um, arse, basically. And uh, because of the curve of the spine, uh-huh. he just crushed it to the floor. Yeah, Diesel, uh, I think he was out for a while after that. Uh, yeah, and he had problems for, for the rest of his career because of it. Jesus Christ. I mean, I think Mabel had a history of hurting a lot of folk, though. Mm. He was very, very clumsy. That's awful because I still to this day don't know what they were thinking putting Mabel. Again, this was when it was more about characters than moveset, but even as a character, I didn't really get what was going on with him. And he had strip matches and Diesel had a not a great run with a couple of injustice matches beforehand. Uh, Psycho Mabel, Mabel got involved in as well. Mm. Uh, they weren't up to that much scratch. And then you've got Lex Luger. I've, I was never much a fan of Lex Luger either. I just that sounds really sorry. That's what that sounds. And a shoulder block to finish. Fucking hell! It, yeah, it's awful. It's absolutely awful. Not a fan of anyone who's mentioned there at all. <laughs> Diesel, Lex not Luger. even Earl Hebner. No, no. Like I can get the fascination Vince would have with Mabel, just because like. If history tells you so anything, like he he loves those like big, huge guys, like look, monsters. Exactly, like if you look at it, like there's always been someone every like four or five years, whatever. It would just appear Mabel, um, Yoko. Like I know, like they're just completely dark, uh, day and night, but uh, they're both big guys. Um, you go then Big Show now to Braun, like you know. So he's got a history of like loving these huge, huge guys, um, and quite fr- and Cali as well. But quite frankly, like nine times out of ten, they're always involved in absolute shit matches just because they can't go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it it just goes back to like the the late eighties, early nineties kind of wrestling where you had a big lumbering uh, wrestler like. King Kong Bunda, he, he drew money mm. with Hogan, and that, I think that's what Vince just kept relying on for so long that if he just got a big lumbering lump of a man uh, to face off against like the the the, the baby faces, then it'd work. But clearly, wrestling fans were starting to smarten up. I think. I mean, you've got to have a, you've got to have at least a happy medium. They've got to have some wrestling skills and some character. You can't just be one extreme to the other. Yeah, exactly. And how many characters did they try with uh, with with Mabel? I know. And they just couldn't get over with any of them. Oh, Daddy V, remember that one? <laughs> oh. oh. Weren't it the time when he was like, he thought it was God's gift to women as well? Uh-huh. 
And uh, oh. did Lily and Garcia not propose to him and he said no? <laughs> so she was down on her knees in front of him. That's that's I hope he used some manscaped. Let's put it that way. <laughs> oh. I doubt he could see it to manscape it to be fair. <laughs> Maybe that's what Lily were doing on her knees, manscaping him. Oh, let's move on. Forty percent off. That's it. She, obviously, when you're using it in the landscape, you've got the little torch, the little light on it, so you know she could have been doing it in the dark if she wanted to, or in the shower. Uh-huh. Uh, can we please move on? Mm-hmm. We can. Uh, let us go that for... That was disgusting visuals bit, there. We'll go for a bit of comedy now. Well, I think the next two matches are technically comedy. Uh Going to go with another SummerSlam. I think this could have been literally the worst SummerSlam pay-per-view for the amount of SummerSlam matches I've got. Uh, But we'll go with SummerSlam 1993. Mm. Uh, The Royal Family versus Clowns R Us. Jesus Christ. Bastard. (laughs) (laughs) You guys remember this match fondly then, I take it. Yeah, Um, do you know what else... This was the very first question of my quiz. <laughs> oh, well, there's a Wait. point for uh, Darren. Yes, all the quiz now has been reduced to seven questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, ask, ask it, I'll probably forget. <laughs> um, so, yeah, this was a, a, a multi man, well, not even, well, technically they are men, uh, multi person. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> they have, have, I've started badly with this one. It's a multi-person match. Uh, Jerry Lawler's team of the Royal Family with uh, Queezer, Sleazy and Cheezer, and Doink's uh, Clowns Royals team was Dink, Wink and Pink. Uh, so allegedly the rules were <laughs> only the, the the little people could fight the little people and that neither Lawler or Doink were allowed to uh, attack the midgets, little people. Don't know what dwarves, whatever the word is. Um, so this match was literally just a, a comedy match um, all the way through. We had uh, Doink attempted a crossbody, but uh, Lawler reversed it. Lawler uh, pinned Doink to eliminate him from the match, so it was literally just the full Lawler team versus the the small clowns. Uh, so that should have actually been Lawler out of the match because he could only face Doink, but he didn't. He kept getting involved. Uh, we saw the the typical monkey flips uh, uh, with, where Wink tried to flip Queezy, uh, but Lola blocked and uh, helped Queezy to get the pin. Then uh, we had Cheesy being thrown on the top of uh, Pink. I think it was Pink uh, by, by Lola, which helped him get the pin. Um, so then after Wink and Pink were eliminated, that meant Lola's team won. Um, but... Um, they all, all the little people turned on, on Jerry at the end and uh, and chased him away from the ring. Uh, and as he tried to escape, Doink returned and uh, parred him, parred him in the face. So, yeah, I'm going to go with the Royal Family versus Clowns Are Us. See, even even before they found out all the stuff about Jerry Lillis, he was always someone who just turned my stomach just looking at him. Weird. A, uh, just a, an awful look in his face that he's up to no good, and I'd, it was too, too on the nose all the time. And then he's running about. He's got history with slagging off midgets as well, and uh, it sounds really sorry. Another sorry effort. And 
Poor, I know Doink was very typecast, and he's known. What's the uh, what's the wrestler's name again? Matt Bourne. Matt Bourne. He's well respected in the wrestling circles. If he didn't have the the kind of demons that he did have, mm-hmm. he that 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 gimmick could have gone a lot further than it did. There was so much potential in having a uh, an evil slash. A good face clown, but mm-hmm. yeah, unfortunately, he just the the demons got better of him, and they ended up using about four or five different people actually in that clown gimmick to to just have don't go in because it, it sold merchandise. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a shame. Just I've never been a fan of Lola. Lola. I don't know about yourself, Ricky. Even just wrestling wise. Nah, uh, hate him, hate him. Although I absolutely love Dink uh, and Doink. Dink and Doink were great fun. Yeah. Oh, I absolutely loved it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, Jerry Roller, I wasn't a fan of him, um, whether it be in the ring or his shitty commentary. Um, for a while, his commentary was good. They played up to his heel, but yeah, just not a fan of him at all. And this match, like you say, is... Um, just, a lot of these matches we're talking about are just typical of what, what was happening back in like the 90s mm-hmm. you know so back then it could, it could have been entertaining but as you say now when we look back on it and say we literally were just like little kids um, none the wiser um, yeah just I kind of like the pick in the sense that like it's a horrendous match right, it belongs on I'd this watch, card I, yes I would watch it just for the laughs and like being like oh for fuck's sake really kind of thing Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's another it's another good pick. But this is, I always liked, I always liked Doink the Clown. Yeah. So moving on to number six, your penultimate. This is the. I don't even know if there is a death spot on this card. But this is where it, like, <laughs> it's just the card. Just uh, watching the cards. A death, death card. Spot. Um, now um, I actually messaged Clav during the week. When uh, when he come up with the rule change, and I said I'm actually skirting along, uh, sticking to the rules because I've got someone who was mentioned in a previous match, uh, but he doesn't actually wrestle, so I'm kind of like skirting that rule with this match. But I'm going with um, from King of the Ring 1998, Al Snow and Head versus Too Much. Now, you've got to remember, this is on the same card that we had Undertaker versus Mankind Hell in a Cell. Mm -hmm. So if there is ever a match that is definitely a turd in the punch bowl, it is this match. Um, So the the backstory is Al Snow wants back in the WWF and uh, Jerry Lawler has convinced him that if he can be too much, which obviously is... As he's Brian Christopher in the team, which is uh, Jerry's son, uh, he'll organise a, a meeting for for Al. Um, so just as uh, as we get into the ring with uh, Alan Head, we uh, hear that there's been a special guest referee announced, and it's uh, Jerry Lawler himself. So that's uh, the person who uh, is in both matches. Um, now, obviously, Snow has to start because he's actually the only wrestler on his team and he uh, starts overwhelming Scotty to Hottie Taylor um, now Brian gets the tag and Lola does everything in his power to help his son there's a part where uh, Brian's claiming that, that uh, Al Snow pulled his hair uh, which he clearly didn't but then Al Snow 
doesn't pull Brian Christopher's hair, and then he gets uh, he gets admonished for it. Uh, the fans are absolutely dead for this. They could not give a toss. <laughs> um, so this every time Al goes for a, a pin, Lola gives a, a crappy snow, a slow count, checking the the shoulders. Um, Al Snow at one point actually legitimately goes for the tag, uh, which to be fair, you've got to give him credit for that. He's playing uh, playing up to the gimmick. Uh, and there's a point where Brian Christopher bats Al Snow's hand so he can't tag in head. Um, so then we get uh, another near fall with uh, Scotty Twatty uh, covering Al, uh, where where Lola tries a quick count. Uh, Snow gets a quite a few uh, quick pins, uh, victories in a row, but just, just falls short when Lola keeps screwing him. And just as he... Uh, is about to get the the win after he uh, hits uh, Scotty with the snowplow. Brian Christopher grabs head. He grabs a bottle of shampoo, attaches it to the bottom of head, and pins head to the to the mat. And then after the after Lola did the pin, they show the 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 shampoo to the crowd, and it's a bottle of head and shoulders. So, <laughs> yeah, cheesy, cheesy, cheesy. Uh, so, yeah, I've gone for King of the Ring 1998's standout match, Al Snow and Head versus Too Much. Now, I can't actually, this is one I cannot remember, um, but I, I kind of was quite an Al Snow fan, even when he was doing nonsense stuff. Mm-hmm. He, made, he does make the match, to be fair. Uh-huh. Brian Christopher is... Uh, He's literally just a young version of Jerry Lawler, such an idiot. And <laughs> this this Scotty Two Hearty was the very last start of uh, of, of Scotty Two Hearty's career, so he's not as as good as he were when it was with Rikisha. Uh, but yeah, the match is absolute gash. <laughs> you know, you know the worst thing about it is is at times during the match, like they stopped. Al Snow from like trying to tag head and it's like you do realise that is like a mannequin's fucking head tag the fucker in pin it get the yeah but it had no shoulders so you can't pin its shoulders to the ground toss it out toss it out the ring I toss it in the crowd that's it just punt it just punt it into the fucking crowd yeah um, take count then yeah exactly that's probably that probably pisses me off more than anything. It's like Jesus, Jesus, man, just tag the fucker in and put that bastard into the fucking crowd and get the win. You know, it's like that whole um, like stupidness where a, a heel slides out of the ring and a babyface runs around after him, and then the heel slides in, and then the babyface immediately slides in after him and gets attacked. And it's like, what are you doing? Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. I would have popped for the head and shoulders stuff. involved in a lot of shocking matches. Yep, you might hear from him soon. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Speaking of... I don't know, he must have been listening to this because I've seen it to have knocked my head. head We're over with the crowd. Absolutely over with the crowd. They even had a... uh, If you remember the old ECW days where they they had the polystyrene heads and they'd they'd throw them in the ring... They even had them in the WF crowd, so mm-hmm. it was clearly over, just not in this match. I, I would have popped for the head and shoulder stuff, to be honest with you. That would have made the whole night for me. <laughs> so, are you saving the worst till last, then? Well, 
you've got to finish on a title match, surely, to God. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've gone with the World Heavyweight title. Uh, now, technically, with with uh, WWE owning the rights to WCW, I could have gone through their cards and used the like, the finger pork of Doom mm-hmm. or one match that I've had to watch for another podcast, the War Games 2000, which is absolutely horrific. Uh, but I thought I'd, I'd play fair and I'd stick to the rules, and uh, I've stuck with the WWE version. But there's actually two matches on back-to-back pay-per-views with the same two wrestlers, and both matches were horrific. Um, so from Royal Rumble 2003 and No Way Out 2003... Triple H and Scott Steiner for the yep. World Heavyweight Championship. I'm going to actually go with the the Royal Rumble match because I think that that's the worst match. So this is just literally 18 minutes of chops, suplexes, rest holds, botches, the lot. Um, yeah, so we start with uh, Steiner attempting a, a recliner on Triple H, but uh, Trips is a uh, has, uh, has got his manager there, Ric Flair, to pull him out of the ring. Uh, Steiner chases Flair around, but the ref ref interjects himself to stop Steiner from uh, from attacking Flair. Uh, Trips uh, attempts a, a pedigree, but uh, Steiner performed one of many Explorer suplexes. Uh, attempted a military plus slam, which got his counted into a net breaker. Uh, then Trips and um, Flair try and leave with the belt, but then Steiner, and I, I want to say, ran to catch him down the aisle, but he actually waddled, literally waddled. He, I mean, that was the slowest run ever. Um, he ends up uh, catching up with him, counters a, a trip attack with the belt by cracking uh, Hunter in his uh, glorious snot box with the belt. Uh, then, for some reason, and I don't know why Steiner kept, kept it up, but he had to get his uh, obligatory push-ups in. <laughs> and then the best part of the match is uh, we got to see a glorious pink thong of Steiner where his uh, his uh, tarts were coming down. Uh, so we got uh, yeah, he got hit with a low blow, I think, and a roll up. Uh, trips through the ref out the ring, trying to get disqualified, but uh, Earl Hebner weren't weren't for having it. Uh, trips hit Steiner with uh, the sledgehammer, which meant he actually. Uh, did get disqualified that time. Steiner wins. Uh, Trips retains the title, uh, and then afterwards he applies the the weakest looking Steiner recliner uh, on Triple H. Now the match was horrific to watch, but in fairness, it was this match that that fought, got uh, Trips to form Evolution. So there is a little bit of a saving grace from it. Uh, so there there is that one good thing about it, but the match itself was was absolutely dogger. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Triple H and Scott Steiner from Royal Rumble 2003. Ricky, your thoughts this, on this one? This was, like, in the midst of Triple H literally burying every single wrestler on the roster. Mm-hmm. Um, I, this was, like, Steiner's first big match or feud back because he'd only been back what maybe like since November or whenever Survivor Series was so yeah, what like, it, two, was two months it, it was, yeah this was his first feud yep so two months um, you know as bad as the match was right you know what the worst thing about it was that Triple H came out first oh. <laughs> two things 
Championship match closes the pay-per-view and your champion never comes out first. Well, it's a Royal Rumble event, so... Right, okay. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't mean this pay-per-view, I mean in general. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, the Royal Rumble is the only time that I would that I would make the exception. And as I say, it's like Undertaker retiring at WrestleMania. That made the sense. That was fine. Obviously, never retired. But yeah, just fucking horrendous. Scott Steiner's absolutely horrific in the ring. Um, cut some of the he's cut some of the greatest promos of all time. Probably by, had the great greatest by accident. Oh, it's not yes. like he's meant. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that math one is just the greatest promo ever. Probably just because it's so stupid. I mean, to be fair to Steiner in in this, I know he was. Re- uh, he had drop foot, didn't he? Where he is, uh, he had problems with his with his uh, knees and his his hips. So he does have a reason why he went to the suplexes all the time. But it's yeah. too big. Yeah, like, don't, don't throw this guy in a world title match. No, like, not. back in the day, especially when it was like earlier days, like the Steiners were fucking awesome. You know, they were mm-hmm. they were they were really fucking good. He's just too big and just too just jagging too much. Um, <laughs> But yeah, fucking absolute shit full of a match. Then again, you kind of been like, well, who the hell was Triple H going to face after he ran through the entire fucking roster? Mm-hmm. RVD, Booker T, HBK, everybody. And then it's the two biggest rivals that he could have had, he, they put him in a, in a faction with him. Which turned out to be fucking awesome right enough. Yeah, to be fair. I disagree with your opinions, gentlemen. Well, you enjoyed it much. I did, actually. End the fucking podcast. End the fucking podcast uh, right here. I remember because Kurt Angle and Benoit was on that pay-per-view, so I thought, I'm just going to watch that whole pay-per-view. It was within the last couple of years. And I I know that there are many people that think this match is dog shit. There's something, there's something hypnotic about Scott Skriner's suplexes, and I could watch them on repeat forever. And there were many of suplexes in that match, and see, purely because of that, I liked that match. <laughs> I think it's because of the pink thong. Uh, no, it was. <laughs> if that was the case, then I would have enjoyed the Russo's Bushwhackers match for the, the, the wee handy that went on. Seriously, go back and watch that because it's will, so actually. weird. It's surreal. And the camera <laughs> zooms right in on it as well. <laughs> Imagine you could get that in VR, the VR today. <laughs> uh, I've not got much to add, just the fact that I did enjoy it, so I might be the only one that's enjoyed that match, ever. Quite possibly. So, I'm sorry, I'm just eternally sorry, Mags, that you had to go through that, to watch it and to sort of relive it, but I'll relive it for one more minute, just so the listeners know, we had for the ultimate, uh, for the ultimate, IC title match, the first match of In Your House, Smash Your Back Door In. (laughs) It was a uh, Goldwist, an Ultimate Warrior, uh, in your house, best friends, better enemies. Ivory versus Tory, SummerSlam '99. Bushwhackers versus the Rougeau, um They quite literally are Bushwhackers versus the Rougeau brothers. The tag match at WrestleMania Five. King Megabo versus Diesel, SummerSlam '95. Jerry Lawler's Royal Family versus Doinks Clowns Are Us. Al Snow versus Too Much at King of the Ring '98. And the best. Title match that was on some Royal Rumble 2003, Triple H versus Scott Steiner. Are you ready for mine? Yep. 
Or are you ready for mine at all? That's the question. Uh, mine just called Super Duper Shitdown, which is what they probably should have called half of these Saudi Arabia shows. <laughs> I mean, technically, I could have just said that for the Super Showdowns and then called it a night, but I, put, <laughs> That's true. I did put quite a bit of thought into this one. And to sort of steal your theme a wee bit, Ricky, I have got a card which you would think would be quite good. Some ones with angles that you'd be interested in seeing. And people would come into the show thinking it's going to be good. And then you get the comedy out of the way and it starts just to get really, really bad. And you end up actually angry at the end of the show. Right. So... First up, the curtain jerker is from Invasion 2001 and it's referee versus referee, Nick Patrick versus El Hevner. Now, to th- Invasion pay-per-view I think was very good. I think the story that was told throughout the night was good. Uh, even the, the squabbles between the refs leading up to this event, it was another it was another sort of story that they didn't have to do but it was quite interesting that they did. But the match itself was awful when you're talking about turkey arms flailing. El Hebner already had weird arms and Nick Patrick is a detestable character just in general. I've never enjoyed him. Mick Foley was in this match as a special guest referee and he couldn't even save it. It was just, he had all the other referees lying in the ringside <laughs> cheering them on like cheerleaders. Technically, you could have made it a lumberjack match if you wanted to. That might have jazzed it up a wee bit. But... Um, it was nasty viewing but I would wager that it's one of those car crash ones that it's terrible but you want to see it go watch the hype video for it <laughs> right okay <laughs> yeah, if you're not going don't watch the match just watch the hype video and if you do Probably. watch it watch it with the Benny Hill theme tune in the background <laughs> <laughs> probably watch the match during with that theme tune as well your thoughts, uh, Darren? Yeah, that's a. I mean, I, I knew you were picking it because you did. You did kind of give it away in the DMs, uh-huh. but yeah, what a horrific match! Uh, and it's a poor dude when Earl Hebner's the best wrestler in the match because Nick Patrick was absolutely woeful. I think he attempted a baseball slide at one time, uh, which it damn near missed. Uh, oh God, so he did. Yeah, it was not a good match, and it, that I, I'm, I should have put that on my card. To be fair, I, I, I'll give you that. That's a, a great pick, Ricky. Yeah, it's, it's it's one of those ones you're like, what a terrible match! But I'm going to back, go back and watch it just for just for the laugh. Mm-hmm. Aye, it's one of those what you do. You want to see what that, how the hell that happened, and why. So I'm quite proud of having that one on. The next one, it's the return of a certain Mr. Snow. And I'll give you one guess as to what the match is. It's not the the uh, Bob Holly one. No. No, it's the boss man one. <laughs> it's the boss oh, man one. the kennel from hell match. Yep. That's a Badlands favourite. Yes, and uh, I know Big Boss Man is a, a Five Nerds Go favourite as well, but Big boss well, man. He's a Paul Tolly favourite. <laughs> I don't think the rest of the nerds like him. <laughs> See, when you think about it, Big Boss Man's been technically in two cell matches and they've both been horrendous. Yeah, nearly <laughs> nearly died in one. Uh-huh. 
Ano, dead time one. Aye. <laughs> uh, we all know this. I'm sure this has been mentioned on Badlands quite a few times now with Big Boss Man. Multiple times. Um, what was the name of the dog? Pepper. Pepper, Pepper the Chihuahua. Pepper the Chihuahua. Ate the dog. Ate the dog. Um, I'm pretty sure they wrestled at SummerSlam before this. And this is one of your Vince Russo creations where let's just fling as many um, bells and whistles at it as we can. A cage, hell in a cell, dogs laying in the outside, and these Rottweilers were not for doing the job that they were supposed to, which was basically <laughs> make it impossible or at least scary for Al Snow or Big Mouse Man to um, escape. But I'm going to watch this match. I know. The dogs were scared, running away. I'm going to give away my quiz question for next week, so I'll need to think of a new one. Uh, they were pissing. Yep. They were shitting. Yeah. And they were even trying to get get a bone doggy on. Doggy mm-hmm. They were playing doggy style. And these were Rottweilers. <laughs> Tony Khan was probably in love with it. This is probably what made him like wrestling. <laughs> I'm so going to watch this match once we finish recording. It's fucking horrendous. But, see, to be fair, I'm pretty sure it might have been Bossman. Bossman won because he had pliers and cut his way through, didn't he? Yeah. That's genius. That's genius booking. <laughs> or he could have just stepped past the, the dogs the bang dog. at it and, and just got out the cage. <laughs> But if he, if he ran out, he probably would have slipped in some dog shite or something like that. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> you know, random random you are talking about how the dogs are going at it. I was um, up, <laughs> Clive, up behind our houses, you know, we get the crags. Uh-huh. We were coming back down, me and the boys, uh, like last week, or a week, I think it was two weeks ago, two dogs in the field. The owner was trying to like separate them because they were going at it. And Ayan, oh, my eldest turned around and goes, Daddy, what are they doing? And I was like, they're fighting. They're fighting. They're just fighting. They're just fighting. Don't look, please. <laughs> <laughs> Don't look. <laughs> Don't look, son. Don't look. Please Me avert your eyes. doing that later on tonight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. I thought this was a family show. Grand, mum and dad are fighting again. <laughs> right. Uh, I'm going to move on to the third one now. Name name power. I don't know if the rest of mine are quite recent. So Mags went for quite a lot of old ones, and that was a bad time for wrestling. It certainly was. I went the most. My next ones are quite recent in that they span about fifteen years. The last fifteen years. One of them is actually very recent, but I'll get to that later. However. This match was one year after one of my favourite ever matches, which was the 2016 Men's Survivor Series match. And on paper, you would think that Samoa Joe, Triple H, Kurt Angle, Braun Strowman and Finn Balor versus Bobby Roode, Randy Orton, Shane McMahon, John Cena and Nakamura would be quite the spectacle. Well, it was a spectacle, but it was an absolute shit show from start to finish. This was at the height of my Cena hatred where... He had he had absolutely no right being there, and he had no interest being there as well because I think he just turned up to show fans that he had a different colour of a new t-shirt because everyone else was wearing this. Uh, here I go, here I go. Everyone else was wearing their Team SmackDown or Team Raw t-shirts, and he rocked up with a purple um, onslaught to the senses. Purple John Cena never give up t-shirt. He was out pretty early, 
and then just buggered off really? and wasn't seen again for months. So he was he was away for before that for a few months, disappeared again. No need at all. Then you had, I mean, you, you've got the future here. At the time, the future, Balor, Rude, Nakamura, they left early doors. They were uh, eliminated early doors. Uh, there was something that's escaped me right now, but this was at the height of the whole Shane McMahon versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn thing. And Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn came down and attacked Shane, but something happened that made absolute no sense. I think they let him, they let him eliminate someone. Does this? Does anyone ring a bell with this one? Say that part again, sorry. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn came down and battered Shane McMahon, but continuity-wise, something right after that did not make sense, and for the life of me, it's escaped me right now. Something really stupid, like they didn't, they didn't. Eliminate Shane was basically it. Well, Shane tried to chase him off, didn't he? And then he was he was the last one left. Oh, it's just fucking dreadful. And then Kurt Angle was there. I think it was Kurt Angle, Strowman, and Triple H that was left against Shane. Yep, and then Triple H obviously. The thingies um, battered uh, Kurt Angle. Him, yep. Battered tagged Kurt Angle. In. Tagged himself in. Battered Kurt Angle. Uh, took the win over Shane and sort of rubbed it in Strowman's face, even though Strowman was on his side. And to this day, there has been no revenge or it's never been brought up again from Braun Strowman that Triple H was a bit of an arsehole during that match. Just see in contrast to the 2016 one, which was just perfect from start to finish, personally, I hated it. That angered me that match that night. Sorry, I'm I'm finished now. <laughs> you sound really bitter about this. Oh. Yeah, it was literally just a a, a match of the over egg the pudding. Mm-hmm. It was just so convoluted, uh, just overbooked. Uh, yeah, it was a, a horrific match. <laughs> Ricky. And, and the thing about it was I kind of enjoyed some of the build. Aye. Um, like, for instance, that was obviously... Um, uh, I remember that when the Shield came to SmackDown and the Usos came running down to the ring and they came face-to-face with Roman and they all just kind of, like, for like a second, they just kind of came to an abrupt stop, and I was like, "Oh, that's quite cool to see." Actually, it mm. was like, "Oh shit, we're facing Roman." And Roman's like, "Shit, leads to my cousins," and then Ambrose and and Rollins attack the Usos. I'm kind of going off, going off a little bit, but I quite like that. Um, yeah, Cena being in there was ridiculous because he probably I think he put like a movie coming out or some bullshit. So hence why he never took much of a like a beating or was. Like that active during the match, um, and again, like another missed opportunity with Braun Strowman. Mm-hmm. Another one. Like I, that was probably at the time you're like, oh, that's it, just done. Because you saw him just staring at Triple H, and all of a sudden Triple H tries to get in his, in his face, and then bang, you're like, right, this will be interesting. Let's see, let's see where they go with this. Like, and did it go anywhere? It went fucking nowhere. 
Because I think him and Triple H came face to face the following night, and then that was it. And it's like, really, man, like, there's another opportunity you just missed. You just, and yeah, like I say, it's just a terrible, terrible match. I mean, I'm not saying the build to the, like, the pay per view and stuff was, like, great and stuff like that, but, like, there was some, still some, some really decent matches on this, uh, on this actual card. Um, I say the Shield and New Day, um, you had, uh, what's her face? Uh, the Brock and, and AJ match was pretty good as well. Um, the Shield and New Day was excellent. Yeah, like I said so. Yeah, terrible twitch. And I think, like you say, certainly in recent times, that 2016 is the bar when it comes to the the, the five on five elimination match. But mm-hmm. yeah, this was this was poor. I, I'm also, I must admit, I'm surprised this is on the card. Really. Mm-hmm. I think I think it was poor for a, for a multiple different reasons. This was around the time of our social suplex debut. It might have been our second episode on the network. And uh, was it? I think so. I I don't I don't get angry like angry angry often with wrestling the way you see some people on Twitter do. But I was pretty raging with this match. Just like, what is this all about? Mm-hmm. And if you think of the talent that's in the match, oh, yeah. it shouldn't have gone down that way. Mm. I mean, even the talent that run in, it shouldn't have gone down that way. There's just no payoff, not even for Braun Strowman, but against Triple H with uh, Kurt Angle. Although there was actually with the whole WrestleMania thing. But that wasn't really about Triple H and Kurt Angle. That was about Stephanie and uh, Ronda. Ronda, yeah. Uh, right. I'm moving on because I'm annoyed now. <laughs> and something that's going to be a bit light-hearted but was like gash with a capital G. It was Survivor Series 2005 <clears throat> back when you still had a lot of the brand supremacy stuff going on. And back then... You had two very interesting but two very different uh, general managers, and Eric Bischoff, and <laughs> <laughs> Eric Bischoff and Theodore Long. The these guys had a match at Survivor Series two thousand five, and I don't know if you can even call it a match. It was and it was see when you see old drunk people dancing, but they're basically holding each other up. That's what this was like. There was a couple of punches thrown, and I don't even know if it was selling or it was genu- genuine. Ow, you just hurt my pancreas stuff, and they couldn't move because <laughs> of it. It's as if they'd broken their backs. It was just, I mean, it was hilarious. I, this is one of those ones I do kind of urge you to watch, along with the Nick Patrick and El Hebner one. But it was, oh, not good because there, there was a specific bit with Teddy Long, either low blowed or gut punched Eric Bischoff and Eric Bischoff was like holding on to Teddy Long who couldn't keep up couldn't stand up anyway because a grown man's holding on to him dead weighting him and they just sort of crumpled into each other and it's as if they were leaning in for a cuddle and Bischoff was wearing his ridiculous like MMA karate outfit his gi um, didn't, didn't Teddy Long as well attack Bischoff with his shoe <laughs> I'm sure he took his shoe off. I think this was was this not as well when uh, Teddy Long had like an executive, and I can't remember the guy's name. Oh, 
Palmer or something like that. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Oh, but Palmer, yeah. Palmer, I'm going to Google it. Was he not in charge of the midget division or something like that? <laughs> um, is it Palmer Cannon? Yes. Something like that. Or it's I think it's Palmer Cannon. Yeah. Palmer Cannon, yes. Yeah, this was waffle. Absolutely waffle. Bischoff was wearing his gi stuff and Teddy Long was wearing a Smackdown t-shirt and a pair of joggies. <laughs> yes. Oh, good laugh though. Teddy Long was a right good laugh. No, it was. Right. Next up. Oh, what's happened to my list? Right. So the the one that we just had. Sorry. Not only not only was Teddy Long wearing a SmackDown t-shirt and a pair of joggies, it was his t-shirt was tucked into his joggies. Aye. And I <laughs> might. Was, was... I'm sure the boogeyman got involved as well. Oh, Did course. the boogeyman not get involved? Uh-huh. Jeez, that's another fucking question I need to take out. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of my questions. Question number four. During the Eric Bischoff and Terry Long match, who made a surprise appearance during the match? Get rid of that. <laughs> I should get the point for that then, surely. I've answered the question uh, that you, ten minutes before. You take the point. <laughs> uh, and I might be wrong. I'm probably just making this up for a a cheap pot, but I'm pretty sure Teddy Long was wearing his glasses during the match as well. I think it was. <laughs> <Not> surprise me. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna just quickly double check some images before I go into the I'll next do one. I've got them right now. Right. No, I don't think it was actually no he wasn't. He may have came down wearing it but not during the match. He probably passed them to Palmer. Aye. Mm. Right. So that was a fun match and this one was very uncomfortable viewing. It was a few years later, five years later at WrestleMania 26, the same night where we had the sequel to Undertaker and Shawn Michaels, and this was a story that was, let me think, 13 years in the making. It was Bret Hart versus Vince McMahon. Oh. And you ended up having Vince McMahon looking like the sympathetic character here. And I, I can't remember who was with Vince, if anyone, maybe the, the Stooges were. But the Hart, Bret Hart had his family with him. And Vince McMahon basically said that he had paid off the, the Hart family, the Hart dynasty, to screw Bret. And he said that as they were there like at, on the night, Bret Hart said, no, um, we all discussed this and they're basically just going to take your money and run. So they're on my side. And it was basically, this was around the time where Bret Hart couldn't wrestle properly. I, he actually had a decent showing in that Nexus match, if you remember correctly. He couldn't do much, but he did a few atomic drops and, and he looked much better than he did this night. But it basically just turned into a slow, plodding chair shot attack of an old 50-slash-60-year-old man. And some of the Hart family took took shots at him as well. I'm pretty sure Bruce Bruce Hart was the ref and Bruce Hart's got a sketchy history. He's already a bit dodgy when it comes to being involved in Bret Hart matches because he made an arse of the finish for the Canadian Stampede match. So Bruce Hart was the referee and he joined in and then other wrestling, other Hart family members joined in and it was just what you would expect. I mean, see for comparison, that Vince Hogan match from WrestleMania 19 was outstanding. For sports entertainment purposes, that was a great match. 
this was just, I don't know what they were thinking with the booking with this one. Yeah, especially when you when it were clear that Hart was not capable. Uh, I think he was actually legally not even allowed to be in a match because I remember him not uh, like calling it a match in in like the 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 promos for it. Uh, but yeah, if you think of like McMahon who, who fought Austin in a cage at uh, Saint Valentine's Day Massacre, he could have easily whipped the the living piss out of this this mm-hmm. Bret Hart and. I, I seem to remember it lasting for ages. Like, I, I, did it go like fifteen minutes or something like yeah. that? It just dragged on and on. Uh, yeah, it was not a good match. Uh, I don't understand the, but it was literally just so Brett, uh, so Vince could load it over Brett. You could well tell it was just oh. pathetic. I think when I checked earlier, it was only twelve. But I remember watching that live and thinking, this has went on forever and ever. Mm. And see. Vince, you, you mentioned uh, Austin there. He's had really good, or really enjoyable car crash matches with Austin, Triple H, Undertaker, Shawn Michaels. That's just off the top of my head. Uh, Hulk Hogan as well. But this one, this was desperate. That's because it wasn't Bret Hart. Nobody won from that. Nobody was looked no. over or strong there. That was just dreadful. It was to just use Bret Hart's name to to sell WrestleMania, I suppose. Probably. And you obviously had the whole Bret screwed Bret or who screwed Bret, Vince screwed Bret, etc. Animosity. Uh, And it was kind of like, well, he's back and we'll do something together and whatnot. We can beat the shit out of me for a little bit. Oh, man, man. Love, Love Bret Hart. So next up is the penultimate match and it is a women's title match and this is very, very recent and I've in- I made a conscious decision not to include the Divas era stuff because, especially when it was the Divas Championship because a lot of that was very much out with the control from the stories that we've heard that they were only given a few minutes here and there so I don't think it was within their capability within their permission to have good matches if they were allowed so I've went for a lot more of the more recent ones and I've picked from this year's Royal Rumble Bailey versus Lacey Evans for the Smackdown Women's title this is one of those ones where Bailey had been she'd started to get a bit better at doing the heel stuff it was a bit boring and shite at first and then she was getting into the groove with the, the snarky loud brash bitch that she is now and for the record She's excellent now. I could watch her all day. But this match, it was one of those builds leading up to it where Lacey Evans, a babyface turn, surprised it, pulled off as well as it did. You've got this um, all-American military um, military hero, mother, homeschools, like total Americana down to the core. And it just seemed like it was the right time for it to... not. Not personally saying it was the right time. Like, I didn't want desperately for Lacey Evans to win, but I just felt as if it made a bit of sense for Lacey to win it. And the match that we got was just one of those incredibly boring stifle style matches where it was actually barely... Um, Lacey got hardly in any offence in at all. I think she might have got one move, but that was literally it. And it was Rich Latter's favourite. It was just headlocks and pounding down and there was no peaks 
in the match at all. It was just trough after trough, just lows all the way through, and then it was just a that really bad finisher that Bailey's got just now. Like a, I'm not a fan of face busters at the best of times. The bulldogs and stuff, I don't think they're hardly ever pulled off well. But the one that Bailey does is a bit of a mess, and it was just all that build for Lacey. Sometimes WWE tell you a story where it looks as if right this is only one outcome that you're going to get from this and you get another one and you think that was dreadful yeah it's swerving for the sake of swerving yep um, and I think this was more kind of a thank you to Lacey rather than um, than a winning the winning a title because to be fair to her she didn't do bad in the in the old Becky Lynch storyline that she had before this but mm-hmm. yeah it was not a good match and which is weird really because Bailey can have a good match with pretty much anyone. She can. Uh, so her having a bad match really does stand out. And I, I think it just shows that Lacey just wasn't isn't there. Mm-hmm. See, I'm not sure that at the time, Max just said there, I thought the Becky Lynn stuff was decent. It wasn't shit, but it, sorry, it wasn't great, but it wasn't shit either. And she did show in NXT, she had a great sort of TV rivalry with Kyra Sane, which went over a few episodes and then it finished at a, you know how they record dark matches at the takeovers, but then they show them the next week. Mm -hmm. Uh, They had one of them and it was really good. So I think Lacey's got it in her to be a decent, competent wrestler, but just wasn't allowed to show it that night at all. And I also think that, like you say, is like, Bailey's evolved into this heel character a lot better. So at the start, it wasn't good because she's been this like, like classic babyface her entire time NXT and then in the main roster. Um, so obviously she had to transition into something that she'd not done for uh, certainly um, like on WWE. So it, it, it took her a bit of time to get comfortable and to understand what she can and can't do and. And like I say, there's a big difference between the baby face and the heel. So it's like where she is now, in comparison to like as a, as a character, it's night and day. Mm. So maybe that could have played a factor into it as well. But actually, I just, I just don't think Lacey's that great. And I wasn't a huge fan of the stuff with Becky, if I'm honest. Um, I've I, I liked Lacey, like as a as a talker and stuff, and just the way she comes across. Um, I think you can make her a great baby face um, but you've got to at the end of the day like, you've got to be able to do something in the ring and I just don't think she's anywhere near where you need her to be mm-hmm. maybe not but she certainly wasn't allowed to show that in the rumble so maybe that's just recency, know, that's recency true, bias some matches, some matches those kind of things are needed <sighs> where one person has to be sacrificed in order for the other one maybe but it's, the, it's not so much like see for instance Lesnar and Cena that was like oh a, that was that, that was oh, a, that was like um, what was Jeff Cobb's name in Lucha Underground Matanza Cuerto he just destroyed folk he just destroyed folk and that that was like necessary but see when it's that stifling style where it's not actually an interesting move set and it's just ground and pound with nothing else going. It doesn't personally it doesn't make for good viewing. No, I I agree it was it was it wasn't a great match, but I I do still think 
that it was fact two factors coming to. I just don't think Lacey was is that great, and I think like I said, it was quite early on in, in Bailey's transition going from oh. face to heel. Yeah, I bet if you had that match again now, yep. it'd be a, a much better match. Yep, because Bailey's great right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what I've seen over. And it took me a long time to kind of get used to uh, heel Bailey when she first turned heel. It was like, no, I can't take yep. this. This is the this is the epitome of a of a baby face. The hugger, the the arm flailing, inflatable tube men. Yeah, and it was just a, a weird right. seeing her being a, a heel. And yeah, I think you're out, uh, Ricky. I think it took her a while to to kind of work her. A, a heel style rather than a babyface style. Mm-hmm. Still maintain though, she, like she's like could have been like an all-time babyface. Yep, I agree. Um, Should have been. Yeah, I, I think they messed it up from the moment they, they put the title on her. Where remember she won it the pay-per-view before WrestleMania, and it was like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like I'm all for like big matchy moments taking place on like the quote-unquote smaller pay-per-views. Like I, I, I like that. And I like what they went through a period where they were trying to put big matches on some of these smaller pay-per-views, but I'm like, how the fuck are you doing that? Like, can't you just wait an extra few weeks to do it at WrestleMania? Bizarre. So, speaking of matches where the story dictates one outcome and you don't get it, and speaking of matches that anger me, the best, or I've saved the worst to last, I remember being so... I don't even know if destroy's the right word, just bamboozled that this went down and especially in the way that it did and before I go into the match before I give you the names you'll start to put the pieces together it was at a Wrestlemania and it was around the time where the Wrestlemania started ending up about being 16 hours long so I'd started watching it on Monday morning and I still had work to go to finished it on Friday finished it on Friday <laughs> aye. so I had um, I couldn't just sit in the house in my, my jammies watching it on the train, watching it uh, on the way to work and as the last five minutes unfolded I remember shouting at the t- my phone, stop this match now, get it over because one of them was losing far too much blood for my liking it was Wrestlemania 34 I think and it was Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar for the Universal title now the build for that I thought was it didn't sit well with some people because there was marshals involved and uh, police marshals when Lesnar and Roman were brawling with each other. I thought it was a much better build than their match at WrestleMania 31. And just the story going into it, maybe I just bought into it hook, line and sinker with Roman Reigns talking about Brock Lesnar being a part-timer. He's not here 300 days a year like the rest of us are. And I thought, right, this is going to be the coronation, I know Roman Reigns has been coronated before but in terms of conquering the beast which he wasn't able to do the first time and the match just went on it was just a suplex fest sorry, an F5 fest and it just got repetitive and boring, thought fuck's sake, it's going to be one of those ones where Roman Reigns just kicks out of a thousand F5s one spear and it's all over I thought, right, just get it done, get it done. And then Lesnar takes off the elbow pads, and I thought, fuck, here we go. It was uh, Randy Orton SummerSlam all over again. And they went through with it. And they kept... Roman Reigns was red, dark, dark red, like post-box, 
colour all over his face, matted in his hair, and they're still wrestling the match, and they're still F5s, and he's still kicking out, and this is at the point I thought, just end this match now, spear him and get it done with, I don't care, just give him the title, and then he doesn't kick out, and about a thousand F5s later, Lesnar retains after a year as well, that was him a year as a universal champ, a very controversial reign that he had at that time, and Roman Reigns' build was all for fuck all. Um, if you don't mind, Dan, I'll quickly say what I want to say, and then floor's yours. And this was the one where Meltzer told us a year in advance, and I don't like him, we don't like him, etc. But he told a year in advance that this match was taking place at that following WrestleMania, so he got that right. I'm really surprised you went with this match. Oh, I despise this match. I don't think it was that bad. I don't think it was good. I wouldn't watch it again. I just don't think it was like, like God, like just rotten. Um, I think the decision was terrible. I think, like you said, everything we were, it was built up to the match. You were like, right, well, they're starting to say the things that we're saying. They're starting to talk about how he's a part-time, how he's never there. Roman had that promo, I think, didn't he, when he was walking out and I remember the bar standing there and other wrestlers all standing in his way and he was like, really boys, you are going to stand here and block me off and he's part-time and you are all full-time guys and then they all kind of parted and I was like, I quite liked that wee moment. I vividly remember the moment this happened, some of the socials of place guys, but this was, was this New Orleans? Mm-hmm. Yep. I remember the guys had a place in New Orleans and I remember it was Josh in this video. I don't know if it was like, on like a Facebook live thing. He was like, look, I don't even like Roman Reigns. I don't even watch WWE very often, but like he, they have done him dirty and they did. That was the biggest travesty about it. Not the match, the match quality. It's the fact that Brock went over. Um, That to me was was a terrible decision at the time. It was a, a safety concern as well with the, the gash to the head. It's like, why are you still wrestling? He's clearly lo- losing far too much blood to fucking finish it. That's true. That's true. Um, but to me, it just kind of almost added to it. Like, I felt like, I don't like where it's going in my mind. I was like, you're, you're, you're doing it the wrong way. Like, Roman really isn't liked don't have him kick out all these moves and then just suddenly hit one Superman punch and a spear and end it. Like, you don't do that. So, like, the blood, if they were ultimately for me, it was going to be like, right, the blood just, like, I don't want to say a bonus, but it was like, look at what this guy went through to get rid of this. But the time, piece of shit, Brock, look at this, is what I'd done for us. And he didn't even give us that. <laughs> so, to me, like, the biggest thing was, like, come on. Like, and I know at the end of the day, like, it was their own fault because, like I said, I genuinely felt like everyone felt that Brock uh, Roman was going to win. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people felt strongly about that and then they didn't do it and you're like, oh my goodness, they still got Brock as a, as a champ. Um, so, yeah, for me, that was the biggest disappointment about that whole thing. Um, but, yeah, on you go, Dan. Yeah, I, I've got to agree. This is a good pick. Um, and... For a lot of the same reasons as as Ricky said, you could tell that the way the match was going, with the fact that that Brock was beating down Roman so much that we were getting stiffed, 
Uh, if you're going to have Roman go over in, in a match like this, he needs to beat the living piss out of someone like Brock, not just pick up like a, a one-move scabby victory because he looks weak. He's been absolutely decimated. But what, what actually pissed me off more about this was in the build-up, there was talk of Brock going back to UFC. And I'm obviously a, a, a massive MMA fan, mm-hmm. so that kind of like piqued my interest because as much as I dislike Brock at that time as a wrestler... As a as a MMA fighter, yeah, I was I was fully behind him. Uh, so I was there, hope, thinking, "Yep, he's going to have this quick match at, at WrestleMania. He's going to be on the next UFC pay per view." And there was even talks of who his opponent will be. He began an instant title shot. Dana did press conferences about how they've had productive meetings, and then we get this. And yeah, it was just it was horrific. The, I've never heard a crowd get killed dead like that so quickly it was yeah it was a brutal brutal swerve and again it's another swerve for the sake of swerving because we all knew what should have happened the 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 wrestling media twitter all wanted roman to win there was mm. even for, for, for someone like roman who was very he um he didn't have a big fan base back then with uh with wrestling twitter but we still wanted him to win because he was like the lesser of two evils and yeah, and that was it. Reminded me so much of Triple H and Booker T when the right man should have won, and yep. we got stiffed for the sake of stiffiness. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And like the biggest thing, and I don't even hate Brock. Like I know we done that whole episode where it says fuck Brock Lesnar, but it really should have been <laughs> fuck Vince McMahon at the time. Like I've always said, like Brock Lesnar as a businessman is like awesome. Like he's just using two absolute entities against one another and just try to get the most money possible and at the end of the day like don't tell me like no one everybody would take Brock Lesnar's gig you come in do very little work and get paid a load of money but we were all just fed up with Brock at that point like that mm-hmm. was literally like we were like we can't keep watching this and I know as Mike says it was like the lesser of two evils for me obviously it wasn't a lot of the people it was the lesser of two evils going with Roman at least it was a full time champ that was going to be there all the time and that's where it was always like I says that to me is the biggest thing about it is like entire build was based on that you're part time I'm full time you shouldn't have that blah 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 you don't care I'm here all the time and then it's like I'm sure they had the reasons for going with Brock but it just felt, and it still does feel like, as Mike, as Dan says, it just they've done it for the sake of just doing it because we can do it because we don't want to. Yeah, we weren't, to... weren't there reports that uh, it got changed literally like minutes the before off? the match? Yeah, uh, because yeah, yeah. W- there was a backstage video where Brock throws the title at, uh, at Vince. That's right. Uh, because even Brock knew it was the wrong decision. They knew that they built Roman up to be this kind of beast slayer. And and Vince, I mean, you can understand from a business sense because Brock does put put does put people in seats. It does sell. But yeah, he should have. It, it was the wrong decision. It was the wrong wrong decision. Bad booking. It was, and like as, as you say, it just seems like we've done it for the sake of doing it, and it's like, and and hey, look, everybody's clamouring for Rome. A lot of people are clamouring for Roman to come back now, and. And I know we're kind of, I'm going off I'm going going off on a wee bit of tangent here, but people still aren't fully behind Roman. But at the end of the day, like fans are fucking idiots. Just just idiots. 
when when you've got some of the absolute all time greats coming out and saying stuff about Roman, you know, and like what Jericho says about it, he's like, if I could have anyone from there, it's Roman. Mm-hmm. You know, when when people when you hear people talking about him all the time, it's like, well, do you know what? Like people who do it on a daily basis, they know way more than us, and they're not just saying this kind of shit. Drew McIntyre coming out, and look how long Drew's been around. He's like, I'm picking stuff up from him, and he's teaching me all these different things. And like, you saw the respect even Taker had for Roman in some of the stuff you saw with the Taker documentary. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, man, like, Roman's been hard done by, by both the fans, and and I don't want to say bad booking, because that's not true, but he's been hard done by by poor decision making at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So that ended up quite a talking point that one. It's definitely a, it's a. If it's not the worst title match ever, then it's definitely one of the more controversial ones, I'd say. So, to summarise the super duper shutdown, we had Nick Patrick versus El Hebner, Invasion 2001, Al Snow versus Big Boss Man, Kennel from Hell match, Unforgiven 99. Oh, God, there's another fucking question to get rid of. <laughs> Samoa Joe, Triple H, Kurt Angle, Braun Strowman, Finn Balor. Versus Bobby Roode, Randy Orton, Shane McMahon, Sean Cena, and Nakamura. Eric Bischoff versus Teddy Long. Bret Hart versus, uh, versus Vince McMahon. Bailey versus Lacey Evans from this year. And the uh, Universal title match, Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar from WrestleMania 34. Listeners, if you're still with us, which <laughs> if you are, it is quite a miracle, I've got some good news for you before we do the quiz. Not only can you soon have fresh, smooth, gleaming bollocks, but you can have them while watching All Out for free. Now, let me explain what I mean by that, and I'm stalling for time because I'm trying to find the right screen. First of all, let me tell you about Manscaped. Right? (laughs) Manscaped have redesigned the electric trimmer. The engineering team have spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and have just released a new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents. Millions of balls, that should say millions of pairs of balls, really. Um, but that seems to me being pernickety. Are about to be nick free thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin safe technology. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. When I say this is premium, I do mean it. The battery is going to last up to 90 minutes. So people like Viscera, Big Daddy V, has got enough time to find what's going on down there. The the water-resistant technology allows you to groom in the shower. One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They have also upgraded to a 7,000 revs per minute motor with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand, ladies and gents. Let's not forget about it. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is convenient charging dock for, powered by USB. So I want you to try this as well because I've had it and it's good fun. <laughs> um, trim that junk of yours. If you go to manscaped.com and if you put in suplex in the, the promo code, you will get 20% off plus free shipping. But... For a limited time, there is an added caveat. If you do that soon, and if you email socialsuplex at gmail.com with proof of purchase, like a screenshot of your purchase order, if you do that soon, the first five people to do so are going to get a free... um, 
you can watch All Out, courtesy of Social Suplex. We will pay for your subscription to, I'm guessing, Fight TV for All Out, which is on September the 5th. Am I right in saying that? I think so. September the 5th. So buy yourself some Manscaped lawnmower and send us the proof that you bought it and you can get All Out for free. That's it. I've done the plug. Ricky, are you going to give us some quiz? What's left of it anyway? <laughs> All four questions. <laughs> it's fucking quiz time with Ricky and Clive and friends. A fucking WWE quiz. So very, very little left of it. Darren's got a point. Let's get that off the board. Right, so I'm down to five questions. Right, okay. Right, so before we start, buzzers, uh, Dan, you want to give your give us your buzzer? Um, let's go with Adam called Bebe. Clive? Oh, it's true, it's Dan true. Right, here we go. Question number one. At which event did the now infamous Pat Patterson versus Gerald Briscoe, Jerry Briscoe match take place? That was the hardcore evening gown dress match. I thought about using this one as well. I researched this a couple of months ago as well, and I can't even remember. Oh, it's true, it's damn true. Yep. So this was to do with the whole hardcore title stuff. Was that SummerSlam 2000? You got the year right, but the event incorrect. That was Shane McMahon and Steve Blackman at SummerSlam, wasn't it? So, Adam called Bebe. Yep. I'll go with Survivor Series 2000 then. Both incorrect. Um, Would you like a, a clue or a hint or anything? I, I think I've got the answer, which is true, it's damn true. Uh, okay. Uh, King of the Ring, 2000. Correct. And Taz came down, didn't he? Or was it Raven? Taz. Uh, I don't think it was Taz. Probably Raven, he was always floating about then. Question number two. From NXT back in 2010. Oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> Kate, Kate, do you remember the match Caitlin versus Maxine? I remember it when I was researching worst matches ever in the last couple of days. But that's who all. were the two oh, women? Who were the two women in the corner of the match? Right. So I'm guessing these were mentors. If we're talking 2010. Hmm. Oh, it's two. It's damn true. Yep. Was it Beth Phoenix and Natalia? Oh. Wait. Oh, sorry, the mentors. Sorry. Yeah, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. Was it 2010? No, it might have been not. Sorry, it might not have been 2010. Let me double check. I'm almost, I thought it was 2010, no. Yeah, it was. I, I think I know one. Yep. I'll, if I can go for half a point so Adam Colbebe was one of them Vicky Guerrero correct oh, fuck. I'm 
can't for the life of me picture the second one though. Right, I'll give you a clue. Mm-hmm. The second one, she likes her drink. <laughs> <laughs> Adam called Bebe. Yep. Alicia Fox. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I bet I'm Anderson hates her. <laughs> uh, she can't walk in a straight line. Uh, right. Jerry Lawler versus Michael Cole took place at what WrestleMania? Ah, oh, I looked at this today as well. Michael Cole had on a fucking singlet and a helmet. Yeah, <laughs> didn't he have a group called the Cole Manners as well, something like that? Oh my god! Oh no, that was his plastic. He had a plastic cage, didn't he, to protect him from Jerry? Uh, the pod thing or whatever yeah. it was. Oh. Heel Michael Cole was just a bad, bad idea. Adam Cole, baby. Yep. Oh. 27. WrestleMania That's 27. Correct. That was just pulled clean out of my arse. <laughs> clean out of your arse? That's the same impressive. Clean. Manscaped. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Right, question number four. Clive, you better get this. You better get this. The amount of times we have joked about this. Paul Bearer was buried in cement at which pay per view? It's the year that I don't know. I mean, I don't need the year, I just need the event. Right. Pay-per-view. Oh, it's true, it's damn true. Yep. The Great American Bash. Correct. Hey, hold on, let me see. Oh, four. That was 2004. Right, so it comes out in this final question because... Let me see, Clive, you the first question. Can you in? Did you add on Darren's point at the start? Yes. Okay. Yep, two, one... Oh no. Darren's got it because of that first question. But anyway, here we go. Question number five. The women's title match at Backlash 2018 was between who? Hmm. 2018. Ah, no, that's wrong. Um, Bear in mind, this was a small Joe Roman Reigns match. Oh, it's true, it's damn true. Yep. Was it Nia Drax and Alexa Bliss? Correct. The whole bullying storyline, the thing they had going on. Mm-hmm. Well played. So that means it was 4-3 to Darren. Darren, is that the first quiz you've won? First ever. Ever. Like, in like, history. And, <laughs> and ever, even maybe definitely podcasting history. <laughs> so you've got that trophy to bear congratulations well it makes up for getting stiffed out of, a, out of the t-shirt oh. <laughs> I don't know why but I'm blaming you for this Ricky why? Ricky put me higher on his card so it's technically your fault Claire, but Ricky did what sorry? he put me higher on his picks he had, him, he had me a second ah, so did I 
you said you had me third. No, you were in the top three, but I'm pretty sure it was um, two. So el- I wouldn't have won anyway then, because you both must have had uh, Josh's first then. I, I, I'll let you in I on a secret. I, I didn't did. have Josh in mine at all. You're fucking kidding. I am not kidding. <laughs> Josh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for my co-host. Listen, I apologise for his appalling behaviour. I've kept a lid on. I mean, I've kept a hat on this for a few weeks now, but uh, your uh, takeover Portland match, tag titles match, it's all right, but there's far better ones. And you're the only one that seems to think that that Portland match featured a lot. Aye, but uh, the ones that Mags picked were better. The tag title match. I had to. I had to compare and contrast each match. It got to that level. Just listen, send me the T-shirt, get it over and done with. Ah, but Josh... <laughs> no, me and Josh are sharing it. <laughs> We're going to ship it to each other every other week so we can wear it. Or what was that film with uh, Matt Damon and Owen Wilson? When they were conjoined Damon twins? There was a film where Matt Damon was a Siamese twin with someone. Stuck with you or something like that? <laughs> you could do that with Josh. You, would, you wouldn't you would mind that because... Stuck, of... stuck on you. You would like to be stuck on him the amount of times you've been giving him the rub the last few weeks. What can I say? The guy... You give him the rub like Luke gave a... Ray Rougeau the rub. I appreciate... You've Would been you Ray Rougeau'd. Similar, similar taste. <laughs> I know I'm not going to say that joke on there. Right, uh, let's move I'm on. I'm expecting a phone call from Josh in the next couple of days to say thank you for this. Aye, thank you. Here's my PayPal account. Uh, what's your PayPal number? Uh, Darren, would you like to plug your plug your stuff? Well, this might take 10 minutes, yeah. but uh, <laughs> yeah, you can uh, follow me on Twitter at DAJ Kirby. I have currently four, and now I think I'm involved with four podcasts. Uh, Five Rounds, which is about UFC, uh, Badlands, which is about the Mount Rushmore's of wrestling, and While We Watch, which is uh, talking to content creators about why they love watching people in their underwear pretending to fart, or in in case of these cards, pretending to not even fart. Uh, I'm also involved with another one called Talk at the Table, where every fortnight we just, uh, me, Matt and Conrad and a guest gather around and bitch about what's happened in wrestling over the fortnight so yeah come and uh, check me out you can find them wherever uh, you get your podcasts please do listeners he's a regular voice in my ear over the course of a week uh, and he, he likes to kid on that it's a bad thing but it's a good thing he's a good talker and he talks some good shit as well <laughs> emphasis on the shit <laughs> Uh, so this has been the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show, part of the Social Suplex Podcast Network, where you will get other shows such as One Nation Radio, Keeping It Strong Style, Grown Men Watch This Shit When It Comes Back, Get In The Ring, uh, which is going under a sort of different format, we'll hear about that soon, All Things Elite and New To The Network 8-Bit Suplex Podcast. Make sure to give us a five-star review on the podcast app of your choice, get us up the charts. You can get, as far as I'm aware, it's actually down tonight and recording, but socialsuplex.com should be up and running soon, and you can get the podcasts and the columns that we do on that website. If you press subscribe, you can get them sent directly to your email inbox. If you're looking for a, this is a 
trigger word now, but if you're looking for a t-shirt, sorry Darren, uh, you can go to prowrestlingtees.net, go to the Social Suplex page and get some of our t-shirts there. Go to manscaped.com, put in this promo code SUPLEX for 20% off and free shipping of the Lawnmower 3.0. If you do it soon and prove it to us, you can get to watch All Out for free. And we are in the Wrestling Square Circle Facebook group as well as at Ricky and Clive on Twitter. Uh, Ricky, anything you want to say before we go? No, not at all. Just thanks for downloading and listening. Thanks to Dan. Good catching up with him again. Hopefully next time it's not going to be as long. (laughs) Because he can't deal with me for two hours. (laughs) No, I meant meant the gap between the podcast and the (laughs) You walked into that one, Ricky. Uh, yes, thank you very much for coming on. It's, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. I think this might be the first time it's three of us have been on for maybe a year. Yeah, mental. So, but yeah, it's always a good time coming on. Yeah, yeah. More than willing to to make time for my Scottish brethren. And uh, well, I don't know if it's up to you directly, but I'd like to have a wee chat with you about talk at the table at some point in the near future as well. It is up to me. I'm the boss. I mean, Booker. Are you? Allegedly, I got give. I got forced the job onto me. Uh, so yeah. Is uh, Matt a delegator? No, it's sort of like that. Tosser. <laughs> Matt's a t- Matt Willis is a tosser. Pass it on. At the Matt Attack UK, go follow him. <laughs> we need to get we need to get Tolly on as well. Oh yes. Talk about food. Jesus, the the worst food. The worst three course meal ever. And and appetizers and stuff like that. Right, uh, thanks Darren for coming on. Thanks Ricky for joining me. And thanks listeners, if you're still with us, for listening to the very end. We'll speak to you next week for more shite wrestling. (laughs) Good night. Take care, folks. Thank you for listening to the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Podcast. We'll see you next time. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.